Blog Talk Radio. Hey, my brothers and sisters, fellow entrepreneurs around the globe, it is 0600 hours Eastern or Quebec time for you mariners out there, 1100 hours Greenwich or Zulu. This is Rudder Radio, your guide to thrive in any economy. And I'm William Eastman, Managing Partner for Applied Knowledge Labs North America. We are changing the formula of business success for companies from zero to five, 50 million in revenue. And I'm going to be your host for the next 30 minutes, and today's show is going to be on the migration of, of value. How do you predict where the market is headed so you can get there first? Or as, it, as we would say with the great Wayne Gretzky, you go where the puck's going to be. So before we get into the show, how do you join us? Well, first of all, you can go to our show page, which is at blogtalkradio.com slash the rudder, T-H-E hyphen R-U-T-T-E-R. You can dial in and, show, and join the show live at 347-215-7471. That's 347-215-7471. You can also, from the show page, um, you can go to our blog. If you don't want to hit the chat and join us in the chat room, you don't want to call in, you can go to my blog, The Rudder, um, and uh, you can find the link on the page. Or if you want to Google it, you simply write The Rudder, T-H-E-R-U-T-T-E-R two words and it will pop up and of course you can always hit us up on Twitter which is open right now and my tr- Twitter account is Smith, W-E-A-S-T-M-A-N okay so that gives you the particulars today's show is show 724-746 that's 724-746 if you want to download it for later use and it's number 14 in, in a, a series of 43 Okay, it's been a while since we've been on, and I'm happy to be back on the air. And I just want to report to all my colleagues and listeners and people that either join us live or those of you who are downloading this is that uh, over the period of time since we've last been on, we've made a decision that we're going to open up our own media platform here on Blog Talk Radio. So once we finish with this series, expect to see an expanded one-hour show and perhaps our own channel which will bring in at least eight to ten hours of programming a day. So if you're in a small business, you're trying to deal with this economy, you're trying to figure out how to grow, not just survive, but grow given what's going on, because certainly none of the bozos in Washington have got any clue. And for those of you who are listening internationally, um, more than likely what we suffer with our government is what you suffer with your government. So let's face it, there's nobody out there for us but us. So let's band together and let's drive the economy of the world. And so let me kind of give you a quick overview since it's been a while, is that this is a a third, uh, this is our third series. And uh, what, what we're doing is we're basically giving you our database. We're telling you everything that we know. And everything that we do, number one, is researched. 
uh, I spent two years alone working on this database on best practices. How does, how does a company go from nothing to market dominance? And what do they do that others don't do? What do they do better than others do? Or what don't they do that the ones that don't make it do? And from that, we distilled this out, and we have been working on it since 2006 when we went live in our first office in Calgary, Alberta up in wonderful, uh, my favorite uh, country, Canada. And so not only is it researched, it's proven. We do it day to day. We've got a number of accounts. We test it out. And so we're helping businesses day to day all around the world. Number three, on the radio show, it's all free. Nothing, nothing that we offer here costs you any money, and you're getting our best thinking, and you're getting it pretty quick. And number four, we see the show as our classroom. And so if you're, you view this as 30 minutes invested in, in your education to grow your business. Uh, so where are we? Well, our first series was on the stages of growth. And what we talked about is the six stages, predictable stages that companies go through um, when they're trying to grow. Now, there's no guarantee that you go from stage to stage. As a matter of fact, most companies don't grow. Um, they don't take care of the issues that are in front of them at the moment. And what happens is that they fail. So we talked about what are those stages, what are the predictable failure points, what do you have to do, deal with in order to move the company on. And if you want to check that out, you can go to our show page, go to the archive section, and that starts with show 577302. Dream to Plan is the first of the six. Then the second series we did was around strategic planning. Uh, one of the things that we found interesting uh, when we looked at what differentiated the, the good companies from the great companies was that the, the way that they did strategy, not, not the process of building strategy, but the idea is that their, the strategy had some key elements to it that made them distinctively different. And so what we did is we did a series on the, what are the elements of strategic dominance. And that started with show 597-380. And that first show was called do business in a new way. And now where we are is we are about a third of the way through our third series. And what we did here is that rather than talking about uh, issues, kind of the, the background issues, we said, why don't we share just the database? Why don't we just talk about what our library of best practices are? And so what we've been doing is we've been going through those. Now, the way that we broke this down is that there, in this series, there are four general categories of the best practices. This is the way we organize them. Uh, one category is market intelligence. The second one is brand and strategy. The third one is operations. And the fourth one is talent. And what we did in the previous shows is we covered um, the market intelligence. And if you recall those shows, what we talked about here is that there were three elements to that. Uh, one was competitive landscape. In other words, your ability to look at the marketplace and see what is happening in the economy and in regulation and in technology that is affecting everybody's business. So therefore, number two, what you could do with that is you could take a look at what is impacting your customers, what's impacting your competitors, so you have a good sense of what's happening so that, you, number one, you can deal with today. Number two, you can begin to think about the future. Um, the second element of market intelligence had to do with targeted industries. In other words, looking out there and say, okay, what are the verticals out there that are being hammered that their needs, their unmet needs or undermet needs, match the core competence of the firm um, and have the highest potential financial return. So maybe that's where we ought to be putting or building our products and services for. And both of these are external. In other words, you're looking external to the firm, and they have kind of a future focus to them. 
The third part, the third best practice of market intelligence is what we call product knowledge. Now, this is internal and it's in the present. In other words, you look at how your present customers are using your products and services and you're gaining intelligence from that. Now, some of that is you can look inside, just look inside your firm and figure that out, but a lot of that requires dialogue with the customers. But those three best practices uh, allow a company to not only deal in the real time, but also deal in the future in terms of what's happening so you can anticipate it. Then we did the next part of that, next category was in branded strategy. And as you can recall, those of you who are ongoing listeners of ours, uh, what you can rec what you recall from here is that uh, brand was is is more important than strategy. I mean, is the best way of saying it. In most companies, uh, you look at it. They put together a strategic plan, then they put together their marketing plan, which drives sales. And in some place embedded in there is their their issue around branding. Well, all of the companies that that we studied are all nationally known brands or internationally known brands. And what they understood is that brand is the thing that stays with you forever. Strategy is simply a methodology or a technique to make that happen in the marketplace right now. And so brand and strategy, brand first, strategy second. And what we've talked about so far was best practice around straight stakeholder contribution. In other words, though this predominantly focuses on employees, stakeholders also include customers, suppliers, and investors. But how do I tap into that to bring that contribution into the firm? The more that the people for whom the success of the company is depends on, employees and customers probably being the primary group, the more that they're able to contribute to the future, uh, the better we're going to be. Then we talked about infrastructure alignment. And what, what this got to was kind of changing the whole concept around structuring the firm, is that in a lot of companies what they do is they put together the org chart right up front, right at the very beginning, and then the company kind of functions across the uh, operates across these functions, and the challenge you have there is that then you have all these various handoffs uh, from one department to another, and typically it's the handoff uh, that creates most of your quality defects. So when I say quality defects, I know I, I mean not only manufacturing type defects, but I also talk about service defects, failure to deliver on what you promised, and so. What this best practice said, look, let's design our core processes first. Let's make sure that our processes bring the customer inside, that what we're designing is something that builds the best possible product for the customer at the lowest cost to us internally as possible and delivers it as quickly as possible. And then once we've, do, once we've built the processes, then let's figure out how we're going to structure the firm. Um, the third one had to do with the adaptability of the culture, and this was a, a bit more challenging, and we talked about the different types of cultures in a, in a company, but fundamentally is that the, the culture is kind of an extension of the brand. If you take the brand, you typically think of the brand is outside the firm. Well, you have the brand inside the firm, and a company puts together its value, vision statement and its mission statement and comes up with a set of operating principles or core values that say this is how we do business, that how we get to the end result matters as much as getting to the end result. And the question then is, if we build a culture, is it is it defined enough that it kind of herds people together, gives people kind of a sense of direction? We're heading roughly west as a company, 
but is it wide enough? Is it flexible enough to deal with the different demands that are going on in the marketplace? And we talked about the challenges of that. Then the fourth one we talked about was goal integration. And what goal integration was, was about is that for a lot of people in the firm, even in small companies, is that sometimes it's confusing about exactly what are the priorities, is that I've got a job that I'm doing, and if I'm a frontline employee, I'm pretty much focused on the job. Well, many times, the job is just a series of tasks. I don't see how those things integrate into the bigger business plan. If everybody in the company is not working on the business objectives for this year, um, we're probably not going to make it. And it's not so much that I have to change what I write or change what I design if I'm the business owner, but it's more of getting people to see that doing your job day to day and doing it well is fine, is all fine, is good, fine and good. However, if it is not moving us toward those business objectives, those things that we've got to accomplish this year, then really it's almost like having an organizational hobby that you pay people for. So how do we integrate so that uh, people are aligned with strategy? And so if you take the infrastructure alignment, the, the previous best, uh, one of the previous best practices, that's aligning processes to customers. Goal integration is aligning people, talent, to the strategy of the firm. Then we talked about, the, the next one we talked about was resource deployment. And this had to do with the concept of how do you allocate dollars inside the firm? How do you budget? And we talked a lot about the, the concept that I think Peter Drucker put out there, which was, which to this day, some 50 years after he wrote the book, Effective, Effective Executive, still rings true. And that is the concept of if you prioritize the things you need to do in the company, what we have a tendency to do is we have a tendency to spread budget over the items. So if we come up with there's seven initiatives we should undertake this year, um, we take our money and we spread it across, but we never fully fund anything. And what typically happens is that we get substandard performance in each of those areas rather than saying, okay, let's take number one and let's fund number one at 100%. Then let's go to number two and let's fund that at 100%. And you work down the list. I think it's common sense. And if I put it that if I put it to you this way, I don't think there's going to be any disagreement from people. And that is, if I fund the top three initiatives at 100 percent, or I fund seven initiatives at 70 percent, which is going to have a greater return to the firm, I think most people would agree. Uh, take the three. And so that's what we talked about: is how do I allocate those resources, and then make sure that I fully fund the top priorities. The other thing that we discussed. Though this usually works with companies a little bit larger, say 25 to 30 million or above, is the idea that uh, budget in most organizations is kind of like socialism, in that if we had X number of dollars last year, we're going to have this number of dollars this year. And maybe the idea is that the owner is really a venture capitalist, and that every your budget, because you had X number of dollars last year, is no guarantee about this year, but rather we have X number of dollars to invest inside the firm. Everybody in the company, every department head, anybody who runs a particular area, a functional area, competes for budget dollars by either one showing how they're going to in increase revenue if they're dealing with people outside the firm, or number two, how are they going to support elements inside the firm to, in fact, accomplish that. So that's what we did in resource deployment. And then the last one we did was around intellectual leadership. And this had to do with really the, a, a different way of looking at this is thought leadership. And it was around how does the organization and the people in it create a sense of identity for themselves that if somebody wanted to know an answer around a topic, 
they would be calling you as the owner or they would be calling your subject matter experts inside the firm. If a news reporter was doing a story on something, why aren't you on their Rolodex? Why is your company and you not the first person they call? And so the issue here is establishing presence in the market, which is an enhancement of brand that if you want to know about something, talk to us. So those are, that's the area that we covered. Now today, migration management. And what this is about is if you're looking out there and you're collecting your market intelligence, um, depending upon how dynamic the market you sell into, how you create value for your customers and for investors, in this particular case, investors are also seriously interested in this, um, that, that, that's a moving target. And if you're, even if you're doing exactly the right thing today, uh, that is no guarantee that you're doing the right thing tomorrow. So what does the company do to take a look at what's happening and say, uh, the market is moving, and what we need to do is we need to get there. And uh, those of you who have followed the show know that I'd love to use the, the great Gretzky. Uh, this is not only uh, paying homage to my Canadian friends, but the fact is that I do love hockey. But the thing that always struck me about Gretzky, and when people ask the great Gretzky why he was such a good hockey player, and he said, well, I always went to where the puck will be. Because what he could do is he could look at, he could look at the ice, he could look at the, the, the defense, and he knew where the pass should be so that somebody could take a shot on goal. And Gretzky didn't go where the puck was. Gretzky went to the, where the puck was going to be. And that's what this is about in migration management, is taking a look at the market and say, okay, it's going to get to here. So why don't we get there first? And so that's what we're going to do. And we're going to talk about the one, two, three, four, five um, attributes of this best practice. But before I do that, uh, let me just talk a little bit about us as a firm. And um, this is something I constantly encounter, and I've just spent a lot of time in the state of Missouri uh, working with the state university system. They run a number of small business uh, development centers uh, for entrepreneur startups, basically companies up to $10 million. And if there's one thing that struck me is just how stressed out uh, most of the business owners are. I mean, this economy and what's going on, it's just killing them. Most of them are leveraged to the help. They've mortgaged their houses. Um, they're, they're finding that their lines of credit, their working capital dollars, are not coming from the banks, even though they may still be a good risk. And what's going on is they're basically tired. And, they're, and, they're, and not only are they tired, but they are tired of, of, of being tired. And one of the issues is that if you're an entrepreneur and you're out there on your own, you feel as if you're alone. And so that's what we're here for. Um, you're not alone out there. Um, our, our main mission is, is to provide a resource to anybody 50 million and less who's trying to get there. And so what we have is we provide you with the tools to grow your company regardless of the economy. Most people right now are talking about how to survive it. What we're, the advice that we're giving our clients through our products is we're showing our clients how to grow and prosper in this economy. So if you'd like to know, if you'd like to know what you need to do, uh, what you can do is pretty simple. You can... Um, you can contact the show. You can um, send us an email, and you can reach me at eastman at aklabs.org, A-K-L-A-B-S dot O-R-G, eastman, E-A-S-T-M-A-N. And you can give us, you can drop an email and say, hey, I've got some interest in this. Or you can go to our website, uh, appliedknowledgelabs.com, or to our my blog, which is on that page. So that's what we're here to do. And, of course, if you want to pass any information on about future shows, uh, let's go there.
So having said that, let's talk about the attributes, migration management. And as I said, it's anticipating where value is moving from and where value is moving to. And the more dynamic the economy, the quicker this happens to you. And what happens to a lot of businesses that because they're not paying attention to it, they become, they, they become obsolete and that their products and services don't get the cycle on, um, the cycle that they should. In other words, if you develop a product that should have a lifespan of X, well, you find out that it has half or a third of what you thought uh, because exp um, designing something new is fairly expensive. Well, what's happening is that value is changing in the marketplace and you're not anticipating it. In fact, the way you find out about it is you're going, hey, sales are down. And that's not necessarily a way to learn it. So what do we do? All right, what are the attributes? Well, number one is you take a look at improving your core capabilities. And what I mean by improving core capabilities is that every organization has a few things that it does very well. That is the core competence of the firm. And the example I'll give you is for, for us at AK Labs. Uh, our two core capabilities, one is research. We are a research firm. We do meta research. And meta research is we read the research that everybody else does as well as we do our own micro research. And that is we look at the data that we collect from our clients. And we say, what is the information telling us? So that is one core capability of ours. The second core capability that we have is our ability to quickly design effective products. We learn something, we say, hey, we ought to put this in the marketplace because people can use it. And so those are our core capabilities. So one of the attributes of companies that are very good at managing migration is that they're constantly looking at what's happening in the marketplace and saying, do we need enhance what we do so that when the time comes that we need to kind of change what we sell to whom, we have the core capabilities to do that. The second one is around leveraging technology. And the technology just makes the transition easier and easier and easier. The more that you have a technology platform that you can work off of, um, the quicker you're going to be able to do this, the quicker you're going to be able to turn on a dime. And what all these best companies did is that they understood is that technology was a slave, but it had to be applied correctly. Because what I find in a lot of small businesses is one of, one of two outcomes. Outcome number one is they don't believe they have the money to invest in it so they don't have any. And so then everything is about people. Well, there's nothing wrong with that, and I'm not putting it down. But what happens then is that you're asking people to change, and you're ch asking them to change how they work. And uh, most of you know how difficult it is for you as the business owner to make any changes. So a people-based system. Um, is real difficult to change because people get into their habits and it becomes easy to do it a certain way and to be reluctant until almost you're getting you know, your brains beat out before you go, yeah, I think we need to change. The other side of that is you find companies that are so enamored with technology that, that instead of technology being a slave, they are a slave of it. That doesn't work either because then it's what the technology is driving behavior in the firm. And so what I'm talking about is kind of a middle, middle of the road. Most companies, most small businesses, what does that technology look like? That te technology looks like a CRM system, a customer relationship management system that you're able to take it all the way from branding, through marketing, through sales, through the delivery of product, to post-delivery service, and you have that ability. Uh, number two is that your financial accounting system ties directly into your CRM, and so you can immediately invoice, you have an immediate reading on inventory. In other words, all of that is all automated, and then whatever it is that you do, your core, your core process 
is also on a platform that you can manage. And in our particular case, uh, we built our core platform. So that's what I mean by leveraging technology, making technology work for you, not spending too much, not spending too little, not being a slave, making it the slave to you. The third one, the third attribute of migration management is assembling experts. And what that means is a willingness to look outside the firm, a, a, an ability to transcend this kind of not invented here, which is always a challenge uh, for entrepreneurs because uh, if we were smart enough to get this company started and smart enough to get, come up with the money and smart enough to drive sales and smart enough to get where we are, a lot of times we think we're smart enough to deal with this dynamic changes in the market. And the answer to that is we are, but we're not smart enough alone. And so this could be assembling experts who are industry experts, um, totally outside perhaps an economist or somebody who has a background in technology. A lot of times it could be pulling in uh, members of the customer. In fact, when we talked about the stages of growth and we talked about the issue of, of how do you reinvent the firm, which was stage six, and that was show 577322, that's 577322, off our uh, show page archive, is that what these organizations did is they brought customers and suppliers in, whether they were trying to fix a process to make the process more effective and become the lowest cost producer, or they were trying to develop new products and services, they never did it on spec and they never did it alone. So the idea is, is that constantly will, uh, a willingness first to bring in people who have outside expertise inside the firm and let them share that with you, and then you make the decision of what's appropriate. Um, but also, that could be from your customers or your suppliers. Uh, the fourth one was first the new markets. Uh, one of the attributes was is that they were first to spot the change, and they were first to get there. They, were, they got to where the puck was going to be before anybody else got there. And part of that is an attitude and part of that has, is having good market intelligence and most of the things that we discussed right now. And then the last of the attributes is the quickest to customers. That is not a matter of just being there before anybody else, but you've got to look at your processes and can you go from a concept to a build to a development to a sale faster than anybody else because many times what happens is the first has the opportunity to be the biggest. So let me kind of summarize those, uh, those attributes of the best practice of migration management. Number one is you listen to the market. You've got people out there who are reporting back to you to say, here's what's going on, and you have multiple opinions coming from multiple directions. So what you kind of guarantee for yourself is that you guarantee that you've got a wide section of information and it minimizes your risk rather than having just one data source. Number two is you're willing to assemble experts to bring that data in so you're quick to understand, you have various opinions, and that really helps you to keep your risk level down because since we have a client that we're about to start with in Missouri that is thinking about moving from being a supplier to OEMs uh, original equipment manufacturers to becoming an OEM. Well, I tell you what, they better do their homework because that is an incredibly dangerous. It's a it's an incredibly innovative approach, and it could win dividends. But the amount of investment it's going to take is if they're wrong, 
they can kill the company, and the company's been around almost 30 years. And so it's those multitude of opinions, and we are one of the opinion people that they've talked to, is to make sure that, okay, we can see everything and we can figure out how to keep the risk down to the lowest. Number three is to use technology. To use technology for what technology is designed for, and that is improve the quality of what you produce, reduce the cost of what you produce, and do it quicker, faster than anybody else. It's something that we, we've talked about in the, all the other series, and you'll hear from me probably consistently on any of the shows, and that is your goal is to become the lowest cost provider. I'm not talking about being the lowest price. That is a brand and strategy decision. What I'm talking about is that you want to make it better, faster, for less than any of your competitors. Because if you do, then you've got yourself in an incredibly powerful competitive position. Because one is you can charge what they charge, which means you have a higher margin than they have. You're making more money. Or you can, you can basically have the same margin as they have, but charge a lower price and steal the business from them. But you only can do that if you're able to leverage technology so you become the lowest cost producer. And finally, the fourth one uh, in my summary is you need to be first. First to understand, first to decide, first to build, and first to deliver. So that's what it takes in migration management. And again, if you want to, if you want to look at this in more detail, go to our website, AppliedKnowledgeLabs.com, and then when you get up there, look at uh, where it says Library of Concepts. Just pull that toolbar down, and you'll find all of this information. You'll find a posting on my You'll find a posting on uh, my blog site, which if you go to our show page, blogtalkradio.com slash the rudder, T-H-E hyphen R-U-T-T-R, you'll find my uh, blog space, and uh, what you'll find is the show notes. Next week, next week's show is on, uh, not excuse me, tomorrow's show is on change readiness, and it's the ultimate core competence. How do you, at a minimum, ensure change inside equals the rate of change outside? Otherwise, your own process is just not the market makes you makes your offer uh, basically this, makes it uh, obsolete, and you don't need that. So to all my friends out there, growth, profit, and dominance. Take care. Have a great business day. Talk to you tomorrow.